0: We're going to start preaching through some of the one and others that we heard at the men's conference. Uh, my, my message I had at the men's conference was confessing one to another from James chapter 5, verse 16. So I'm going to preach a condensed version of that today for the uh, parts that I believe are very applicable for us as a church. So first let's read that verse, James chapter 5, verse 16. And our title is Confess One to Another. It says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So we see three things to start off here. We see confession of sins to one another. Uh, Confession of sins simply means to acknowledge Something. To confess something means to acknowledge it. Our sins are simply our wrong done against God and one to another. As Mike said in this passage, this goes uh, this morning, it, it goes both ways. This is a plural reciprocal pronoun, one to another. Every one of the one another's that we heard preached on and that we'll be preaching on are all this same word, this plural reciprocal. That means Simply put, it's a two-way street. All of these go back and forth to each other. There's not this person bears the burdens and you never do. It's not this person confesses and, and you never do. All of these one another's are to the church to say, You, church, are a body fitly joined together and you, church, must care for one another. You must bear one another. You must confess to one another. You must love one another. You must be hospitable to one another. This goes both ways. Now there's going to be times in your life where you need to be on the receiving end. And there's going to be times in your life where you need to be on the giving end, such as today, confessing one one to another. There are going to be times where you simply need to confess to a brother or sister. And there's going to be times when you need to be ready to hear a brother or sister confess to you. Now this isn't just a confession to the elders of the church, although that is part of it. There is um, in this, this same chapter here, verse 5, you, you call for the elders to come and pray over you. There's times where you may need to go to the elders to confess of a sin, not so that they can forgive you, but so that they can help you, to counsel you through it, to help you get through that. This isn't uh, just an individual confession, although that is part of it as well. This is also a church confessing to each other. That means sometimes there's going to be some public confession that may be needed. Now, those are rarer. Most of the time are... are, uh, Sins that need to be confessed of need to be to one another, but there are times when the church needs to hear confessions as well. You know what the church gets when they hear confessions publicly? They see God's grace in a broken sinner. When someone comes before the church and says, Church, I have struggled with this and I have sinned, but I'm reaching out to you, church, for help. That shows God's grace to a sinner. And the grace that that sinner needs that day is for his brothers and sisters in the church to come and hug him, to lift him up, and to help him bear that burden. That's what public confession does for us. Sometimes we need to have a private confession. If you have wronged someone, you need to go to them and confess that to them. But sometimes you need to go confess a sin to another brother or sister so that they can help you, so that they can help you get out of that pit, So, they can walk with you through that trial. Now, we see confessions all through the Psalms. Uh, David is confessing his sins, both sins he acted on and sins that he just thought, and sins of just his heart, and even unknown sins that he wasn't even aware he was doing. There's multiple layers of confession here. So, we're not going to get into the details of which kind of confessions those are. Suffice it to say, we need to confess of any of those types of sins, and there are instances where we need to confess to each other. Now we as a church, as a body, have an obligation to confess to each other, either corporately or individually, because we are part of the same body. We have an obligation to care for one another, to watch over one another, to bear with one another, and to confess to one another. So when David is confessing in his psalms, sometimes I have read those in the past and looked and like, man, how can, how can David approach God's throne? And then how can I approach God's throne? I say, man, God really doesn't want to hear from me. I'm a sinner. Why in the world would He want to listen to the pleas of a simple person who has to keep coming back over and over and over. Well, Psalm 66, verse 18 says, If I regard iniquity or sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear my prayer. Now, that, that scares me. That makes me shudder to think that God would not hear my prayer. But the beginning of that verse is what's key to this, and it's what is key to David when he's writing this, and it's what's key to the people of God when they're going before God confessing, saying, if I regard iniquity in my heart, am I holding sin in my heart? Meaning, am I giving sin a home in my heart? Am I willingly welcoming sin into my heart? Am I with open arms bringing sin in and holding to it and cherishing that sin. Well, brothers and sisters, if you are in a state to where you are welcoming sin in, where you are loving your sin, where you are thriving in your sin, then God does not hear the prayer of the wicked. That is a scary thought. But to God's people, here is where we take heart. God hears Your prayers. His ears and His eyes are open to His people. Now being guilty of sin does not disqualify us from going before the throne of God. If that were the case, then no one would be able to approach God's throne. David would never have been able to write the Psalms that he wrote if his sin disqualified him from going before the throne. But you see, David hated his sin and that's what's key to David's confessions before God is he hated the iniquity. He did not give it a place in his heart. He did not give it a home in his heart. What David is doing is he's not allowing his sin to dwell and be welcomed there. Does he have a battle? Yes. Do you have a battle? Absolutely. Do you give it a place and welcome it and open the door to your heart to your sin? Forbid it. Don't let it happen. Know this, that the temptations will come. They are fierce and they are strong. The sins will creep upon you. Satan will tempt you. But you do not have to open the door to welcome him in. You do not have to open the door to welcome your sin in. You can hate your sin. And when you do fall prey, despise that sin that has taken hold of you. Do not let it dwell in your heart. Because then you go before the Lord Almighty and He knows the state of your heart. And He knows that you desperately hate your sin. He knows that we are not strong enough ourselves. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means including fighting against sins. But when we take the with Christ out, you're not going to be able to fight against your sins. What you're going to do is as soon as sin knocks, you're going to open the door and say, come on in. I can't hold against you, but through Christ, by letting Him captivate your heart rather than sin captivating your heart. But one of the marks of a true Christian is that we never stop the fight against our sins. When we realize, I will always have a fight against sin. And I promise that I will always try to fight against it. That is a mark of a Christian We know that we're not always going to win. We need to know that up front. We are going to have periods of time, situations where we may stumble, where we may fall. But that doesn't mean that we've given up the fight just because we've fallen. It doesn't mean that we've given up the fight just because we have stumbled. We are not giving sin a place in our heart. We're not going to legitimize it. I'm not going to welcome it in. I'm going to fight against it no matter what it takes. Charles Spurgeon says that the proud sinner wants Christ and his own parties, Christ and his own lusts, Christ and his own waywardness. The one who is truly poor in spirit wants only Christ. And he will do anything and give anything to have him. then again in Psalm chapter 66 verses 19 through 20 it says, But certainly God has heard me. God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not turned away from my prayer nor His mercy from me. Now we take comfort in these verses knowing that God hears His people. A man of God, a follower of Jesus Christ... He acknowledges his sin, he repents of his sin, and he fights against his sin. That's what we see David do in Psalm chapter 51. David's sin of repentance. He had sinned against Bathsheba, he had sinned against Uriah, and he had sinned against the kingdom of God because it was a time where he should have been at war. But what does David say in his psalm? He says, against you and you only have I sinned, God. Now our sins affect people. Bathsheba was affected. Uriah was murdered. Sins affect people. But our sins are an affront and an offense to a righteous and holy God. So what is it that we're confessing? We are confessing our wrongs against God. Now those wrongs may include the wrongs we have done to people. Oftentimes, that's where most of our sins happen, is wrongs to people. But ultimately, as blood-bought children of God, people made in His image who He has purchased, when we sin, we have sinned against God. And that is what we need to confess. Part of that is confessing the sins to one another with an acknowledgement that my sin against you was ultimately a sin against God. God. Now, this is an humbling experience if you've ever gone to a brother or a sister and started to confess. In fact, Proverbs 3.34 says, Though He scoffs at the scoffers, yet He gives grace to the afflicted. When you're going and you're afflicted and you have to go and confess to someone, He gives grace in that because when you as a church body love one another, care for one another, bear one another's burdens, then that is the grace that God is giving you is in that brother or sister that you're going and confessing to. It hurts to confess. It stings to confess. Because at the root of all of that, it comes down to our pride. Most of our sins come down to our pride. And then having to acknowledge something before someone else. Acknowledge that I did something wrong. Acknowledge that I have sinned. Acknowledge that I have hurt you. That pride has to go out the window if you can really go and confess to someone. But when we try to hold it in, when we try to keep that sin to ourselves... It does two things. One, you're not giving your brother or sister the opportunity to pray for you. We are called to pray for one another. We are called to bear one another's burdens. We are called to love one another. Now we as a church, oftentimes we put on this mask. Most of us have a good mask that we can wear. where We try to hide our our hurt feelings. We try to hide our depression. We try to hide our anger. But we as a church, as a body, we should love each other so much. We should get to know each each other so well that we can tell when a brother or sister is wearing that mask. We should be able to tell when they're wearing that mask. When we start to take those masks off to each other, and to be vulnerable to each other as a church, then we are giving each other the opportunity to lift us up, to help bear our burdens. And that involves us going to a brother or sister and acknowledging a sin to them. You know, it incites people to pray for you when you go to them and acknowledge a sin. It motivates them to start praying for you, which is what we want. We want to bear each other up to the Lord in prayer. And sometimes that's going to take us confessing to one another so that people can pray specifically. We should be praying for each other at all times, but sometimes we need specific prayers for each other. Brother, I'm struggling with this today. Sister, I'm struggling with this today. Can you bear my burden? Can you lift me up in prayer? Now the whole point of all this confession... The whole point of it is not so that everybody else in the church knows all of the salacious details. It's not so that everybody has the latest bit of gossip. It's not so that everybody knows everything wrong that you've done. The purpose of prayer is said in this verse in James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Sin is an affront to a righteous God. Sin is a disease. Sin has made you a spiritual leper. The Bible, the Old Testament, talks about leprosy all the time. It's gross. Your flesh rots. It starts falling off. It's disgusting. That's who we are as sinners. We are leprous. Full of filth, full of disease. And that's what sin has made us. But God has purchased us. And He has made us clean. But sometimes when we start to fall back into those old sins, we start to fall prey to temptations, that can start to fester away at your spiritual health, your spiritual body. The purpose of your confessing is for healing. I am sick in my soul and I need some help. I am sick in my spirit and I need some help. Brother, can you help me? Sister, can you help me? I have fallen prey to the sin it has its hooks in me. Can you lift me out of this? Can you help make me clean? Sin wants to remain secret and hidden. Sin wants to stay hidden inside of you so that it can fester away and eat you from the inside. That goes back to that mask getting put on. We may be getting eaten up inside with leprosy. But we come to church, we go to public, and we put on that mask and say, I am whole, I am well, I have no need. I tell you, take off that mask. Let somebody know, I am eaten up inside. I am rotting away. And I need help. And I need it now. And yes, most of the time it's of our own making from our own pride, from our own self-will, from our covetousness, whatever it may be. Most of the time that leprous sin that has crept into our spirit is of our own making. Whether we've drawn away from the Word of God, whether we've stopped living a life of prayer, whether we've removed ourselves from the fellowship of the saints, oftentimes it's of our own making. And yes, that's something we need to confess of too. Brother, I have not prayed in three weeks. Or sister, I haven't read my Bible in a year can you pray for me? Can you pray that God would motivate me to get back into His Word? Brother, can you pray for me right now that I would start to fall on my knees in prayer before God? I need help. Sin wants you to stay down. Sin does not want you to call out for help. But we must understand, in this walk, we are going to have periods of time where we fail. But what is important to know is that failure is not fatal if you reach out for help. Failure is not fatal if you reach out for help. But if you fall down and you stay there, and you do not call out for help from your brothers and sisters, you will rot away. Failure is not fatal for those who call out for help, who reach out for a rescuing hand in battle. Being stagnant means death. If you fall down in battle and you stay there, you will die. I tell you, you've got to get up and you've got to run to your brothers and sisters. If you can't find a way to get up and run to your brothers and sisters, crawl on your belly till you get to your brothers and sisters. But do not stay down. You have to move. You have to reach out. Sometimes, Our eyes are blind to the needs of our brothers and sisters. It's just the hard reality of what it is. We don't see the need, but we can hear them crying out for us. There's a tactical term in military and law enforcement that's get off the mark or get off the X. When you're taking fire in a certain situation and you are pinned down with fire and you know if you stay there you're going to die, get off the X. Move! Seek cover. And if you need covering fire to help you get out of that, then you've got to call out to somebody. You can't give yourself the covering fire when you're the one pinned down. You need help. Get off the X. If you have to crawl away, but you call out for brothers and sisters and say, I am taking fire from Satan. His darts are fierce and they are piercing me today and I need help. If I don't get it, I'm going to die. Help me somebody. Call out to your brothers and sisters in the church and say, I need you to save me from these darts. It may be my own fault I got pinned in that corner. But I need your help to get out of that corner. And that's where we, as the body of Christ, have to be willing to both confess to each other that I have messed up and I am in a bind. And we have to be ready to reach out And help those that are stuck. Help those that are in danger. But do not stay still in this spiritual walk. Move! You've got to get up and move. You've got to get up and walk. Get off that X. And you do that by calling out for help. And when you are deep in sin, the way that you call out for help is you confess to someone that you are stuck in sin, that a certain sin has got its grips on you and you cannot get away from its clutches and you need help. That's what confession is saying, I'm dying and I need help. But as soon as we try to cover up that sin, because our pride is so great that we can't admit where we have been wrong or admit where we have gone down the wrong path then we begin to be spiritual lepers again. So that means you can't do this alone. You can't go out into that battle alone. Because if you get pinned down, you've got no one to call to. That's you. You are each other's brother and sisters in this fight. Yes, other churches too. But God gives us these church homes that we're in. I call out from time to time to certain brothers in this church, but I've also got other brothers outside of this church that I call out to. The point is, you find spiritual brothers and sisters that you know you can go to, and you know that they will pray. You find brothers and sisters that you know you can confess to, and they can keep it quiet, and that they will pray. But you cannot do this fight alone. It's impossible. You will falter all on your own. But I tell you, the good news is you're not alone. Elijah thought he was alone. And God said, get up, Elijah. There's 7,000 that have not yet bowed the knee. But Elijah, even more than that, if you need more help, I want you to go find Elisha and anoint him as the next priest. But understand, Elijah, get back in the fight because you are not alone. I take comfort in knowing I have people I can call out to. I take a lot of comfort in knowing that there are people that I can lean on. And when my legs are too weak to keep carrying myself, they will bear me on their back and they will carry me. That's what we must be for one another. When we are confessing to one another and hearing one another and praying for one another. That means you have to know where each other are. You have to know where each other is in this battle of life. When I was a police officer, I worked in a, a, uh, a, a tactical stack unit where we did raids on houses. where uh, We were like a, a strategic response team and we did no-knock raids on, on uh, arms dealers and drug dealers. In that little um, group of men, I was the breacher. I was the point man. I was the first one to go in with a shotgun. I promise you... I never would have ran into those arms dealers' houses, first man in, if I didn't know that there were four guys following me into that house. They knew where I was, and I knew where they were. And we communed with, communicated with each other every step of the way. When we were in that house, each one of us five knew exactly where the other four were. And if we didn't see them, we would call out. We knew where each other were in that battlefield. And we watched over one another. I'm going to tell you, I cannot go out in this world if I know that I'm going in it alone. The same as I would not have gone into any of those houses if I wasn't sure that those four men were right behind me. That's you and I, brothers and sisters. We are each other's backup. We are each other's squad. We are the ones who are to watch over one another. And we are to be able to depend on each other to have our back as well. So you need to know where your brothers and sisters are in their walk of life. And that means you need to be ready to hear each other. You need to be able to hear each other's confessions Don't be willing to watch your brother or sister fold under the weight of this world. Sometimes you might have to just go ask them, what's wrong? They may start spilling it right there. Be ready. Be ready to hear. Be ready to lift them up. But that's hard. That takes complete trust. Complete trust is only found when you have close fellowship. An open relationship with each other. That's the only way you're going to feel comfortable enough to go to someone to confess a sin. Sisters, you need to look for one another. You need to communicate with one another. You need to pray for one another. You need to know where each other are in your walks of lives. I understand from talking to my wife that sometimes she feels alone in this world. She's at home all day with the kids. Then I come home and I... Moan on about my bad day that I had at work, and she just feels alone. Sisters, you all need to know you're not alone out there. You've got each other. You need to reach out to each other. And I'm thankful for the sisters in this church, because I know that that does happen. I know there's a lot of communication that happens in this church. And sometimes that means you're going to need to confess to one another. Men, yes, we have to do it too. Now we act like we don't need these close relationships. That's for the ladies to do. They love to talk. They like to get on the phone. They like to get in the congregation over here and talk and over here and talk. Although my wife will say I'm the one that does that and not her. But men, we, uh, we have to open up to each other too. <laughs> Hold up, Brother Titus. That's a bit far for me. I go to work. I do my job. I'm a man in the community. I come home to my wife and family. It's all I need. No, it's not. You're going to go home and fail. Unless you have some spiritual brothers that you can lean on. Unless you have some spiritual brothers that you can confess to. My wife's my best friend. She is. We have a very close relationship. But there are some things that I have to go to men on. There are some times, sisters, that you're just going to need to talk to another sister. Men, sometimes there's just going to be some times where you need to talk to another man. Brother, I need prayer right now. And that takes trust. Be a Jonathan to a David. Be willing to sacrifice of yourself, of your own kingship to the throne. Jonathan did not have pride in him. Jonathan's goal is to give God Glory and honor. And he loved his brother David. He loved him. Even to the point that he didn't want to take the throne because he knew that David was God's anointed. They had such a bond. Such a friendship. Such a love for one another. That even when Jonathan was dead, David took care of Jonathan's crippled son because of his love for Jonathan. Be a Jonathan to a David. Brothers and sisters, be that to one another. But we must first trust one another to do that. That means you have to know each other. You're not going to go to a brother in the church that you barely know or a sister in the church that you barely know and confess a sin you don't want anyone to know. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to do it. You're only going to confess like this if you trust someone, and you trust them by knowing them. Now there are times, as I said a while ago, times for public and private confession. Now as my mother always says, you need to use some sanctified common sense, especially when it comes to public confession. There are times when the church needs to hear confessions... You can get up and say, you know what, I have just had doubts. I've doubted God's mercy. Can you as the church help me? That's a good good thing to come before the church and say. We can all jump around you in prayer. There's some things you don't need to confess publicly. And you need to use some sanctified common sense. You know, a lot of times it might be a good idea to go to your pastor before you do a public confession because there may be a reason why that confession shouldn't be heard at that time. So use some sanctified common sense with it. But there is a time for public confession. We don't hear that much, but there is a time for that. And it's good for the church to see that, you know what? That brother's broken and I need to go help them. That sister is hurting and I need to lift her up. But then there's the times of these private confessions where we need to confess to one another. Now in our chapter of James chapter 5, there's there's three different instances here. Verse thirteen directs us to pray for ourselves. You know, if you're, if you're is anybody sick, pray. If you're sick, pray. Verse fourteen says to seek the ministers for prayer, but then verse sixteen directs private Christians to pray for one another. So there you have all sorts of prayer. You've got public prayer. You've got personal prayer. You've got private prayers amongst one another. But the thing that is important here in our confessions, confess your faults one to another. That's not where this verse stops. And pray for one another. Confession should always be followed up with prayer. Always be followed up with prayer. In verse 17 and 18... It's talking about uh, Elijah and it's talking about a righteous prayer. And it's not righteous in an absolute sense that, ri- that Elijah was a completely righteous man. Therefore, his prayer was righteous. We know that he wasn't. He was a sinner like we are. But his prayer of righteousness as ours should be was that prayer that David's is. Not holding to, not loving, not giving room for sin in my heart, but wanting God's glory to abound above all. Verse Uh, Psalm 66 again, verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear my prayer. But the righteous man, the righteous prayer does not regard iniquity in their heart. So why would you confess? Why would you confess? Why would you admit sin to a brother or sister? Unless you despise that sin. Unless you despise what it's doing to you. Unless you despise. Hate it. If you're doing something you love and you don't want people to know, you're not going to tell them. You're not. If you're loving that sin, you're not going to go confess to somebody. But when you hate your sin, and it's eating away at you to the point that you feel that you cannot go on, I tell you, call out to somebody. Go find somebody and ask them to pray And you are to pray in the end of this verse, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Effectual fervent is a Greek term, energeo, energy. Pray with zeal for one another. Pray with a spiritual energy for one another, knowing this, that it's not your prayers and your righteousness It is the grace and mercy of Almighty God who you are running to, who you are pleading to, who is capable, who is ready, who is able to lift your brother or sister up out of the mire and the pit that they have found themselves in. I'm going to give a, a very quick testimony, then we're going to close this up. This is very personal to me, this confession of prayer. So some of you know, some of you might not, that um, I have PTSD from when I was a first responder. I was an EMT and a firefighter, and then from there I went to the police department. And I have PTSD from that to the point that it has affected my life. Um, That's not the confession. I think it's okay to talk about that. I think there's been a stigma on it, but it got to the point to where for a good six months in my home... I was a present father who was absent. I was in the house, but I wasn't there. I was with my wife, but I wasn't there. I was with my children bodily, but my heart and soul and mind were not there. To the point that it was affecting the way that I communicated with my wife. The way that I was treating my children I thank God for a godly wife. I mean, I can't say that enough. She didn't get upset with me, but she knew I needed help. She told me to reach out to someone. Brother Robert Kell has visited this church before, especially during Fight of Faith. And he works for an organization called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. They deal with veterans and first responders who have PTSD. And I went to a week-long intensive there, and everything there is based on Scripture. There's not some magic formula that they have to snap you out of it, to fix everything. In fact, they told us when we got there is, we can't fix you. But what we can do is point you back to Christ. So through that week, we just delved into Scripture after Scripture after Scripture to give us hope in the midst of despair. To give us hope when it seemed like there was none. And I had to come home. And I had to confess to my wife and my children that I had not been present for them in my heart, in my attitude or my actions for six months. And it affected us. But I knew I needed more than that. Now I had talked to, to Mike about this some, but also knew that I needed some men that I could just go to when I was struggling so that they could pray. So there's a couple of brothers here that I went to, and here's the testimony. I asked those two brothers to come to that back office, and I explained to them what I just told you. Now, if they had said, boy, brother, that's that's rough. You should have been there for your family. I hope you do better. And then we walked out. I would have walked out of that office deflated, defeated, and with no hope. You know what those two brothers did? They put their arms around me. And you say, you know what? I haven't done everything as a right, right as a father either. You know what? I've struggled with this. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to pray for you. Right now. And those two brothers put their arms around me and I felt my spirit rise at that moment. I was lifted up. I walked out of that office with so much hope. Because I knew that there were people I could depend on. Because I knew I wasn't in this fight alone. No, we may not understand each other's struggles. No, we haven't all gone through the same experiences. But I knew that they had my back no matter what. And I call those brothers all the time and I text them all the time and I say, I am struggling today. I don't want to be a present father today. I can't do it. I don't want to put my armor on today. I went into battle today fully armed, but I forgot my sword. I need your help. Because you know what they do? They don't always wait for me to call out. They check on me every Tuesday and every Friday. They check on me. Say, do you have your armor on? Are you being present with your family? Man, I needed that. But they never would have known if I hadn't gone to them and had to admit that you know what I'm failing here. I got problems. And I can't do it on my own. Church, that's what we have got to be for each other. We have got to lift each other up. But you've got to let each other know your struggles. You've got to let each other know your fears your sins, your failures, your faults, so that you can be healed. So that you can thrive spiritually. So that you're not being eaten away with a spiritual leprosy. Go to one another. Call out to each other. And be there to lift each other up. Be there to hear. Be each other's brothers and sisters in this battle. Because this battle will rage on. Until God calls us home. But until that time, know that you're in a battle, but you're not alone. But you gotta call out for help. And you gotta be ready to listen. And then you better pray. Let's bow. God, we understand that all too often our pride is our biggest barrier. That all too often our pride is what causes us to fester away inside. God, would You tear down those towers of pride in our hearts. Tear those down. Lord, may we be vulnerable with each other as a church. And We would be willing to confess our faults to each other. Knowing, not that we're going to be mocked and scorned and scoffed at, but that we're going to be prayed for and carried And cleaned off. That we know that someone is there who cares for me. Someone is ready to bear my burden. And someone is ready to hear my confession. And someone is ready to pray for me. And Lord, may we be ready to do that for each other as well. Lord, help us in this walk. It's a scary walk, this world is. But thank God we've got You seated high upon Your throne, reigning over all things. And in that we take confidence. So may we link arms and rise up together as we walk out into this battle that we may face the fiery darts of Satan with confidence, knowing that we have a band of brothers and sisters that we face this life with. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.